From WNYC, this is Money Talking at Work, a collaboration with the Harvard Business Review. I'm Charlie Herman. It's easy to talk about all the terrible bosses you've ever had. Even if you haven't worked for them in years, I bet you could still list all the things that drove you crazy about them. But what about the really good bosses? You know, the inspiring ones who made you a better employee, who you really learned something from, and maybe even became a better person. What did they do differently from the bad boss? What did they do right? And how can you become like them? There's actually a name for this kind of leader, a super boss. And I'll let the man who coined the term explain it. A super boss is a leader, a boss, a manager, who helps other people accomplish more than they ever thought possible. And as a result, they accelerate the careers of those people that work for them. Meet Sidney Finkelstein. He's a professor at the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth College, and he recently wrote a book about these people called, wait for it, Super Bosses. I was really interested in people that had a track record of generating and regenerating talent. I thought that was really the key to success for any organization, and I set out trying to find people like that. People like Alice Waters at the restaurant Chez Panisse in Berkeley. And just as an aside, when I was in college, I actually applied for a job to work there, and I did get offered one at one point, but I couldn't make it work with school. And I've always kind of wondered, what would my life be like if I had learned the difference between iceberg and arugula when I was a lot younger? Well, you'd be some famous restaurateur somewhere or other, I think, like uh, so many of the other people that work for her. Oh, well, that didn't work out. And so I just stumbled along in the kitchen trying to do my best. Anyway, I asked Finkelstein why the ability to develop talent is the measure of a great boss. Well, first of all, if you surround yourself with great people, naturally you're going to do much better than you otherwise would. And I think that's one of the hallmarks of what super bosses accomplish. And I think the second thing to look at is if you help other people do well and they move on in their career and do great things, they become part of your network. They become people that are beholden to you in many ways. And I saw that with, in many examples with super bosses of how protégés, the way they would speak about their super boss and the business opportunities that they would create subsequently for their super boss. And, uh, and the last thing I say is, you know, there's a word called legacy, and that's a pretty powerful word. The idea that you could help other people get better to accomplish something, do something they couldn't have otherwise done, and that that's part of who you are as a person, it's a very powerful idea, and a lot of people really resonate with that. So uh, you mentioned that you're a foodie, and so you started doing this exploration with Alice Waters. Tell me a little bit more about her story. Alice Waters had a, a sense of what needed to be accomplished. And it wasn't just a restaurant. It was a movement she was trying to create. And so she would look for unusual people, unusual talent. I mean, she'd hire people that sometimes didn't even work as a chef in the past because she thought they had that something special. And she decided early on that she would create these opportunities for people. And uh, I'm sure it went much further than even she imagined because you look at all the people that came out of that restaurant uh, over time, and there's something like 200-plus people that have uh, become big names in the restaurant business, opened up restaurants on their own. So in her case, I think it was a natural outgrowth of her, her desire to have this impact. To have that impact, you've got to have a lot of people. You've got to be able to generate people and regenerate because, of course, in the restaurant business, people do come and go more than maybe some other industries. So all those things kind of came together for her. I also get the sense that at times it could be a little chaotic there as well, too. I know someone who actually uh, did work at Chez Panisse. And he talked about that when he got hired, he just kind of ended up, he worked in the front, he suddenly was cooking when he had no cooking experience, then he was a waiter, then he was a bartender, and just, he moved around to all these different positions, and, you know, now he's got a pretty prominent job here in New York City in a restaurant. 
that's the hallmark of – one of the hallmarks of a super boss. Even when uh, there are people like Gene Roberts who was the executive editor of the Philadelphia Inquirer, he would move somebody from the sports desk to investigative journalism. I mean people just don't do those types of things. But super bosses do because they keep moving people. They want to create opportunities for people. And the other thing they like is let's take somebody with deep knowledge in something and move her to something else and see how she thinks and how she acts and the type of new ideas she's going to come up with. This is in the DNA of super bosses. And by the way, very important, anyone can copy, can replicate that idea. You know, it might be in the DNA of Alice Waters. But on the other hand, once you know what it is and you can see the, the upside, the benefit, why can't you start to do that yourself? If these are things, uh, characteristics that other people can emulate, what are some of the common traits that you found that super bosses have? So the super bosses not only find unusual talent, but they inspire those people. They inspire them to believe that they can do almost anything. You know, Ralph Lauren is one of my super bosses, and he used to tell people, there's nothing we can't do. The whole world looks at us. We don't follow what they're doing. They follow what we're doing. And you got to be authentic. You got to believe a thing like that. And of course he did. And it so inspires and energizes people. You know, work is, is tough. Think about employee engagement. You know, if you're familiar with those numbers, they're abysmal. Most people, in fact, say that they're not engaged, meaning they don't like their work all that much. And I think that's as much a moral failing as it is a business failing. And with super bosses, they create an environment where everybody counts. Everybody's a player. And that's going to be very motivational for people. But a super boss isn't necessarily a super manager. Now, that is a very interesting question that no one has asked me after three months of talking about this. Um, Yes, you know, I, I would say that they're a super manager in the sense that they create opportunity, they develop talent, they manage teams very, very well, but they don't do it in your textbook fashion. One of the things I found is that some super bosses are very nurturing and, uh, and supportive in their style, and others are more like Larry Ellison and, uh, and some others that are extremely tough. Um, I call them glorious bastards, actually, that are really tough, and you better be able to keep up with them. So people have different views on what makes for a good manager. For me, a good manager is very close to what a good leader does, helping other people get better, hitting your numbers, being successful, but also running in a very efficient way. And I think super bosses accomplish those first two things exceptionally well. The efficiency part is not their priority in the same way, but the performance part, the effectiveness part is. So I guess if I were to kind of drill down here, I'd say super managers do a lot of what super bosses do, but super managers will also focus maybe a bit more on the efficiency side of what your job is. Some of these super bosses may not necessarily create the most easy-to-work-at environments is the sense I get in some of these instances. You may learn a lot and really develop, but it could be extremely challenging. It could be extremely challenging to work for a super boss. But remember, just because you have a nice boss doesn't mean you have a good boss. They're not the same thing. I'm going to choose you know, somebody who treats me well versus somebody who doesn't, but that's not the differentiator between success and failure. Working for a Larry Ellison opened the door to all sorts of opportunities. So the intensity is absolutely there. And I will say you know, it's not necessarily for everyone. Not everybody wants to work that hard. Not everybody has that type of aspiration. But uh, as I go around talking about these ideas with different groups, anyone under 35 or 40, the first question they've got for me is, how do I find one of these people? I want to work for somebody like that. So it really energizes and excites people because of the opportunity that they see. When it comes to being a super boss, have things changed with millennials? 
turns out that the Superboss playbook is almost tailor-made for millennials. I mean, think about it. They want to get a job where they have an impact, where they're making a difference, and they want to be challenged. They want to keep moving forward. Well, Superbosses create a, a work environment, a team environment, where every single person really counts. And uh, I think millennials are also people that, you know, they're not thinking about hanging around for 25 years and getting the gold watch. They're going to move on. And so intensity of experience is very important to them. Knowing that they made a difference is very important to them. And that is completely consistent with how super bosses think about things. So I actually think we're going to see a movement towards more organizations building more super bosses into their culture because it's going to help them do well with this entire millennial generation. I just wonder that uh, how do you know when you're working for a super boss? Because you might have somebody who's just a glorious bastard, period, and not really a super boss. Mm -hmm. Right. Great question. So in fact, you can tell best way to tell is let's take a look at your boss's previous employees and team members. Where are they today? Have they moved on in their career? Do they have bigger jobs, bigger opportunities? You can look at that and you could actually tell people that are interviewing with their prospective boss. Ask that question. You know, Tell me about the people that have worked for you over the years. Where are they today? And you want to hear a story that says, first of all, they know where they are because that means they're staying in touch with them. But second, that they've gone on to bigger and better things. So you can get some really pretty concrete data to know whether you've got a super boss because there's a track record to prove it. So in an article in the Harvard Business Review talking about uh, super bosses, you talked about that they are talent spawners, but that it's not necessarily innate. So what are the things that a super boss looks for in an employee or someone that they're looking to hire? Well, first of all, super bosses will always be on the lookout for talent. I call them talent spotters or talent scouts. They're always thinking about it. Whoever they go meet, wherever they're going, they've got their opportunity antenna up thinking, is this somebody that could actually add some value to the team? Is this somebody that's got something special? That also means that they're going to create jobs for people, even if they don't have a job description. And that's an unusual way. You know, a lot of the HR people get nervous even thinking about that. But you see somebody who's great, why wouldn't you want to create an opportunity for that person if you can? Because everybody wins. The other thing that I'd point out about what they're looking for is while they're in many, many different walks of life and many, many different industries, the truth is that they tend to look for some similar things across all these amazing super bosses. Things like creativity. They value people that are innovative and creative and how they think. Competitiveness, people that have that competitive edge that really want to win. They love intelligence, of course. A lot of people say that. But remember, many people are afraid, no matter what they say, to hire people that are smarter or more capable than they are. Super bosses are the opposite. They couldn't be happier when they find somebody that knows something they don't know because they're so driven to fulfill their, their vision, their mission in life, that they love to find people that have a different skill set or different capability. So these are the things that they're looking for time and again across all sorts of industries. Do super bosses do great things or is it more that they have a great skill at finding talent like you describe and bringing them on board and then letting them do their thing? And I think super bosses, there's a little bit of both, but I think super bosses really do have the track record of uh, deep knowledge of whatever it is their chosen walk in life happens to be. And that's really important because it gives them credibility, gives them authenticity, and allows them to be real teachers, which is a big thing, of course, that great uh, great leaders always do, and super bosses are, are absolutely like that. So uh, I think they've got the chops as leaders. And they've got the ability and the recognition to say, I can't do it alone. I need other people. And that's a big differentiator, by the way, from people that have a lot of talent themselves, have a lot of capability, but uh, don't recognize or don't value the importance of building teams around them. And most of those people at some point or another end up failing because no one is right all the time. You've got to build that team. Okay, Sydney, I recruit people. I hire people. What are specific things that I could do or that I need to undertake to make sure that I am uh, getting to that kind of level 
where I'm actually making a difference in the people around me. I could think of uh, a dozen different things. For example, um, have you been uh, trying to hire someone who doesn't fit the standard mold for your team? Are you willing to take a chance on a thing like that? Recognizing, frankly, that there will be a higher failure rate of someone who's a bit more unusual. But what you're trying to get is the upside, somebody who's going to walk in with creativity, with a different point of view. How do you manage people on your team on a day-to-day basis? Are you really customizing? Are you paying attention to what makes each person on your team tick? What motivates them? What energizes them? And then customize the opportunities you give them, how you interact with them, how you motivate them. I mean, these are things you can do. I think with the team itself, you could look at your team and say, okay, there's two things that every great team needs to have. They need to know how to collaborate effectively and, and this is the unusual one, they need to know how to compete with each other at the same time. Doing both at the same time is a real trick. It takes a lot of work, but I found super bosses that were able to create environments or structures that enable that. And, you know, you think about, say, uh, Lauren Michaels at SNL. It's a classic example. To get on the show, you got to produce a skit. And that skit is a collaboration by definition. But they put together two and a half hours of content of skits until they get to Saturday night where it's only an hour and a half. And that's the definition of competition where you're having to cut back from a a scarce resource. And there's two and a half hours that become one and a half hours. Some people are going to lose a spot on the show. And that's the definition of competition. So look for ways to try to bring both of those things into there. And that's unusual. Not, Not a lot of managers really think about it that way. But that's what super bosses do. This perhaps is the final question, but as I'm hearing you talk, I think this is great for bosses who fit this category of being a super boss and for the people who work for them. But I'm wondering what it means for the rest of us um, who there are probably a lot more average bosses and there are super bosses and uh, we're working for them. Where does that leave us? I think anyone can start to adopt some of the super boss playbook. And I suggested already things like customizing uh, how you work with people, looking for people in different places, managing a team a little bit differently. And I'd say maybe one of the best things you can do is think about how do people get developed how did people learn their craft for centuries? It was through an apprentice approach. And where's that gone? It's, it's gone out the door in most organizations. Do you treat people at, that are on your team in the same way that a master would treat an apprentice? It turns out that people respond to that. People get better. It helps you get better. So I think that you can take a bunch of smaller steps, not worry about kind of doing everything if that's not for you, but find some of those things that are going to make you more successful and help other people get better at the same time. I don't, I don't see any reason why you can't do some Well, Sydney, thank you very much. My pleasure. Great to be on. Sydney Finkelstein is the Stephen Roth Professor of Management at Tuck School of Business, and he's the author of Super Bosses How Exceptional Leaders Manage the Flow of Talent. And if you're interested, he has a test that you can take to find out what kind of boss you are. It's at superbosses.com. I took it recently, and I think I did pretty well. I learned that I try to customize how I manage people who report to me. And I will say that is something that I had to learn. It is not one size fits all, unfortunately. And I stay in touch with former colleagues, even when they stop working for me. Then again, I'm still friends with the kid I know since kindergarten. Hi, Greg. So yeah, that wasn't necessarily too surprising to learn. Are you a super boss? Take the test, send me an email, and let me know. The address is moneytalking at wnyc.org. Or tweet your results to me at Charlie Herman or at Money Talking. Money Talking is a production of WNYC Studios. Our team includes Bill Moss and Rebecca Ibarra. And someone who is always super to work with, Amy Poftak at the Harvard Business Review. I'm Charlie Herman, and thanks for listening.